Hey, how you doing? It's Mr. Warren Hayes here, and it is time once again for an AEW Dynamite review here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel, podcast, whatever you want to call it. You can like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube right now, or you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application. That'd be great. There's all these little things. You know what they do? They help grow the podcast. And podcasts, I'll tell you what, they like one thing, they like growth. And, and, and their creators like the growth as well. It's a vicious circle or a fantastic circle. I don't know how vicious it is, vicious it is really. But listen, it is, I'm recording this on July 5th. That's right. The July 5th Dynamite is over. It hasn't been, it hasn't been, uh, it hasn't been ended for long. I went, I took a shower and I came back and I sat myself down. I had my notes. I'm like, let's do this. So I'm recording this as opposed to what I usually do, right? You know, sleep on it, wake up the next day, you know, and then come in with some fresh perspectives. You know, a night spent sleeping sometimes will, you know, will help guide one's thought process, but not, not today. I can't do that today. Uh, work. Has me busy tomorrow, very, very busy. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to miss a window of opportunity. I don't want to do this, you know, and have it show up like at 10 p.m. either. You know, I, y'all sort of, I, I feel y'all sort of expect this at a certain time now. And I want to respect that. I want to respect your time. Mo- first and foremost, you know, that's why I'm doing this tonight as opposed to trying to squeeze it in, you know, and do it haphazardly tomorrow. You know, I've got a busy day and, you know, there's, a, you know, I might just come back from that busy day and be like, you know, exhausted and heat stricken. And I was like, no, nah, I just want to do a nap. And then I come here and I do this all cranky and gross. Well, crankier and grosser than usual. How about that? No one, no one wants that. And I, you know, and that would not be fair to you tuning in, watching, listening right now. Thank you for being here. Um, so, yeah, so we're more in instant reaction mode tonight more the one of them one of them old post shows that I used to do we're more in that beat here tonight but um let's get right to it I mean no point in beating around the bush too much we'll just hop right in here the July 5th dynamite that was held at the Rogers place in Edmonton Alberta 5177 distributed tickets According to WrestleTix, as of uh, as I'm as I, as I am recording right now, this might change tomorrow. But as as it stands right now, fifty one hundred seventy seven for a seven thousand one hundred and three setup of the venue, which isn't bad. We're you know we're in the upper margins of uh, of dynamite attendances. Uh, you know the Canadian tickets are a little more expensive because uh, you know because of uh, uh, because of rates um, I was gonna say uh, conversion but that's not the word what's the word I'm looking for when, when you know when your money when you conversion maybe that what what do you want from me it's late you know the 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 price you know the, the the our dollars in the shit is what I'm trying to say so if we want American things to come at us, they're all a little more expensive. There you go. 
But um, no, this was a you know good crowd and a hot crowd. Super, super hot crowd. And look, I'm going to start this off right now and just putting this out there. This is a dynamite when I, you know, when and I'm going to talk through it and maybe as I'm talking through it, there's things that are going to coalesce in my brain, things that I didn't necessarily jot down as I was as I was taking the notes thing. But this is a dynamite that as it was going along, I was sitting there and I was looking at it and I was like, I, I should not be enjoying this dynamite. I, I, I feel like everything that was happening, ha, there, there was a lot of things happening on the show. That by definition, I should be hating. And yet, I didn't think it was that. I, 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 I enjoyed the show. You know, events happen. This will not be, you know, the work rate dynamite that we will all remember. But I'm also starting to see a pattern in some of in, in how Tony approaches dynamites. Um, on occasion, he will drop a dynamite where there's a lot of promos, there's a lot of stories being set up, a lot of angles being established, and it might be a little lighter on the uh, on the wrestling side. Might not be as exciting because you know I wasn't popping out of my seat for you know all these matches. Don't get me wrong, there were some great matches on this on this show. We're gonna get to it, but yeah, well, you know what I mean. Like this wasn't one of these all timer dynamites. But it wasn't a it wasn't a bad one either, and I feel like I should be sitting here and telling you this was bad because there were so many things in here that irk me, that annoy me by definition, and yet seem to work here, such as kicking off the show with a promo. I'm never a big fan of that, but it did establish very quickly a story here. We had Darby Allen and Keith Lee hanging backstage with Renee Paquette, and they're all chit-chatting together, even though Keith Lee and Darby Allen are on separate teams for the tag team eliminator uh quarterfinal tournament. By the way, no, let me finish this first. Hang on. I'm trying. See? My <laughs> This is what happens when you do the instant reactions. This is this is it. It's like I I things keep popping into my head. I'm like, wait, wait, I should talk about this, but no, look, I'll just wrote it right down here. Darby tells uh, Keith Lee that, uh, you know, basically he's a shadow of his former self. Uh, that if Lee feels like he's lost in the shuffle, he should either do something about it instead of crying about it. Being all therapy man, you know, being all like tough love Darby Allen. It's like, hey, Keith Lee, you, you know, what happened to you, Keith Lee? Uh, are you just sitting around moping, Keith Lee? You know, where's your where's your cloak, Keith Lee? <laughs> Gave him a pep talk. I don't know how I feel about Darby Allen pep talks. And, and, and if I'm Keith Lee, I'm legitimately looking at this kid and I'm like, wait, who the fuck are you? What are you doing? What, what are you trying to tell me? I am Bearcat Keith Lee. Um, but this served, of course, to, you know, to accentuate the story because, you know, Darby underscored the fact, you know, well, Swerve is here and I don't trust Swerve. So that underscored that part, you know, that Keith Lee and Swerve still have unresolved issues. You know, the wound is still fresh. 
but it also underscored, it also helped to establish that, uh, you know, I'm still going to beat you tonight. You know, I'm, we're still going to be at odds and enemies here tonight. So, you know, even though you had one baby face, you had one heel in a swarm of baby faces here, this baby face is still all business. And he's like, because he wants to show some tough love to Keith Lee. Locker room leader Darby Allen taking over, showing the kids how it's done. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, you don't hear too much of the uh, the street noise. I kept my window open. It is sweltering in La Vieille Capitale today, like ridiculous. So, I don't think like the. the there's only a few cars. I hope I don't think you'll really hear them. If you do, I apologize. But you know, I don't want to dehydrate as I'm doing this. Anyway, let's. So we get to the the uh, this uh, quarterfinal match for the Blind Eliminator Tag Team Tournament. Um, I gotta say, I'm gonna put this out here. I think I'm not a fan of Tony Khan uh, booking a couple of tournaments at once here. Uh, especially when it comes to the Owen, where the, the second year in a row that the Owen feels a little slapdash, maybe maybe a little less on the men's side, but I feel like on the women's side it's just like uh, just, these are the these are the women we want to push go kind of thing. Whereas the men, it doesn't feel as much. I feel like. Um, there could be some significance to the Owen tournament because it is significant for wrestling fans. Because Owen Hart is significant for wrestling fans. And, you know, recently, Tony Khan, I can't remember in which media outlet he was speaking, if it was a scrum, if it was busted open. Does he still do those? I don't know. He was in an interview and he had said that he'd love to do like a G1 style tournament in North America, uh, which I'm all for um, because... I think round robin tournaments rule and it's a great way to get some some true to form uh pro wrestling stories and and it's not something that a lot of North American fans are exposed to it would be it I think it would come across as very very fresh I'd like it but and and he's like you know I love the G1 and I love you know how prestigious it feels and we could just I feel like TK has in his hands a tournament that could feel very prestigious that could feel like a very big deal but it, he's not putting it at the forefront of being that big a deal last year was a big deal because it was the first time that martha hart authorized any wrestling promotion to just go ahead and do something with owen and we all rejoiced there was celebration uh and uh and some 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 shedding of tears at the at, you know at the wonderful news and at the you know the, this 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 memoriam that we set up for Owen, but I feel like the tournament could be uh, uh, bigger. It could feel more significant. It could take up more space in uh, on Dynamite and in the mindset of, of fans. And I understand it's a little hard with a lot of the stories that they're telling, and I feel that it's maybe relegated a little more to, 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 to collision as well, which is, again, all right, that's fine if it's going to be a... A, a collision-led tournament, so be it. I don't have an issue with that, per se, once again. But, um, if you get to this situation here, if you get to this, uh, 
if you get to this, uh, 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 if we get to this situation right here, we've got two tournaments running at once. Now, that's a great way to not give any value and importance to, to either or. It's just, it's stuff happening at this point. You know, it's just stuff happening. And I, 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 I'm having trouble getting into it. And I have trouble get, I think the Owens doing a good job be, on the men's side uh, because, uh, because of, you know, who's involved and how they're establishing things. I think the ladies side is suffering a little bit. But uh, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. But, you know, I think one tournament at a time would have been fine. Anyway, uh, regardless, we're still having the, uh, the, uh, the blind eliminator tag team. Just call it Lethal Lottery. And Darby Allen in this match, along with Orange Cassidy, defeated Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. And I thought this was a great opener to the show. Great opening match. And a match where Keith Lee felt like Keith Lee again. And I think that was the purpose of the opening promo was to be like to shake some sense into Keith Lee and, you know, and then Darby Allen slapped him in the face. It's like, you know, show us what you got kind of thing. It's still weird that it was locker room leader Darby Allen who pulled this off. But uh, but Keith Lee felt like Keith Lee again. Big, immovable, dominant. He throws Darby across the ring. You know, we're still waiting for Darby Allen to land. <laughs> Orange Cassidy and, and, and Darby Allen have to double team Keith Lee to get him down. And, and, and the story here is that Lee, on his own accord, doesn't really care if he's doing damage to, to, to Swerve. And, and, and Swerve is reciprocating. He doesn't care if he's harming Keith Lee at all. Swerve, and there's this great spot that exposes this at a fantastic spot where Swerve... Goes up for a superplex, but Lee grabs him and power bombs him off the top rope just as the superplex is executed. That was a fantastic spot. It looked great. Darby Allen gets stuffed under the steel stairs. <laughs> Keith Lee carries, Fireman carries Orange Cassidy up those stairs. Stomp, stomp. And Darby's like, ah, my, my, my insides. My, my most of my body, ah! Orange Cassidy can't land sig signature offense until he connects with Darby, and then Darby hits a code red. There's a miscommunication between Swerve and Lee, and the Last Supper gets the job done for Darby Allen on Swerve. Cassidy and Allen are pushing forward here. A very good match. I thought it was dynamic. There was some. Great elements here, some fantastic spots. Crowd was super into it. Good, hot first opener, as we like them on AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite. Then we get a video package of Darby Allen putting over Nick Wayne. Where Darby's talking about the passing of his trainer, Buddy Wayne, who also happens to be the father of Nick, and how he promised he would always look after Nick, even though uh, Nick is a tough guy. He's a tough kid, but I'm going to look after him. Make sure that he, that the business gives him everything that he deserves. And I think this is a good thing. Like we, we didn't see, I, I, I look, I'm trying to say too many things at once. See, instant reaction Warren strikes again. I saw a lot of commentary because yeah, look, I can't even talk about Twitter anymore. I'm off of Twitter, but I'm on the blue sky. I've been on the blue sky for a while and, it, you know, 
with all the shenanigans happening on Twitter this weekend, a lot of a lot more people joined Blue Sky. And then today, we got the threads thing from Meta, right? From old Mark Zuckerberg. So I popped in on that, if only to secure my, my username. But then, you know, you start posting, you see, you know, you get a feel for the place and whatnot. And I see a lot of people getting, getting mad where it's like, why aren't they letting Nick, Nick Wayne talk? Why is it a promo? Why is the promo about Darby? It's not a promo about Darby. Here's what they're doing. First of all, hopefully everyone who's complaining are not the same people who complain that AEW never does uh, 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 promo packages, just introduces dudes without ever explaining who they are. Because clearly, Tony Khan, eternally online, Anthony Khan, takes these comments to heart. He gets influenced by all you weirdos out there saying, you can't just keep throwing people on TV and expecting me to care. So he's like, okay, bet. When it comes to Nick Wayne here, I'm going to go down your path so that you ding-dongs can shut the hell up and you can't tell me we don't know who this kid is. So clearly they're going to go down this path for that. And... If they're going to do it, might as well have a guy that the audience knows and likes putting this new guy over, telling us who he is and why we should be excited for him. Darby Allen. Darby Allen just sitting there saying, look, Nick Wayne, he's the real deal. And they're probably going to do a couple of these packages here. Now, the problem that I have with video packages, and this is systematic, and I, I'm on the record with this, is that they have a tendency to backfire. Because you put in so many video packages hyping up something that if that person doesn't deliver, you put so much pressure. If that person doesn't deliver on their first night out, people, what is the first instinct? What is the first thing people are going to say? Well, what was all of that about? It was a whole lot of nothing. All these, and we've seen this countless times. In the history of pro wrestling. And we can go as far back as Glacier. Okay? like So there's a hell of a lot of pressure. You can put on as many promo packages as you want to make someone feel important. If that person on their first night comes out and flops or doesn't come off as impressive, the first reaction people are going to have is, what was the big deal? Which is systematically worse then you can't keep throwing people we don't know. Because that, you can absolutely blame whoever's saying that as just being, well, you could just Google the motherfucker's name and you'll figure it out. You can do this for yourself. You are a capable human being in the age of information. The knowledge of the world has never been as accessible at every human's fingertips as it is right now in the year of our Lord 2023. So you can figure this out. So if anything, you can blame these people to say, you know, I don't know who that person is. Well, it's like, that's on you. But if they, if, if, if we do the promo packages and we do Nick Wayne coming out and it doesn't, his first night out isn't great. People are going to go, well, that wasn't very much worth it. And they'll have a right to, you won't even be able to argue with them and it won't even be Nick Wayne's fault necessarily i mean he should go out and put, blow the house down the first time he comes out he should he has to 
It's a lot of pressure. And I don't think it, I really don't think it is the best way to go about introducing new wrestlers. Tony Scavone is backstage. He's in the car park area waiting for Jack Perry's car to show up, which it does, coincidentally. Jack Perry comes out, he peeks around. He says last week was ridiculous and he's going to march his, he's going to march all the way up to Tony Khan's office and demand an FTW title shot. And just as he gets there, well, out of, you know, out of frame jumps, out of, out of frame lands hook, just like whoop, and he goes right after him, beats him up a little, but Perry hits the bricks in his car again. I already thought this week Jack Perry had a little more swagger. I'm still not convinced with what happened last week, and it's not because he suddenly had one 30-second segment that I'm going to flip, but th I thought this was umpteen times better than what happened last week. Then we get a bro session between MJF and Adam Cole. You want to talk about things that I should not have enjoyed on this show? They do a whole promo where the guy, uh, 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 not, not a promo, a whole skit, a vignette of the guys at a, uh, at a, uh, 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 at a gym training with each other. And they're really leaning into the odd couple stuff here. Where MJF is trying real, real hard to be Adam Cole's friend, but Cole doesn't trust him. And in this package, you know, we even get an appearance by Puff. Indie superstar, Buffalo boy Puff. They make fun of his weight. The one thing that these two guys, that Adam Cole and MJF can all agree upon is that they don't like Tony Schiavone. <laughs> I'm, that is a bit I can get behind. I think it's funny not that I don't like not, I like Tony Schiavone don't get me wrong I think the bit is funny but uh Adam Cole can press more than MJF too by the way which I thought that's right I look this whole thing worked it worked because these two guys have chemistry they have chemistry with each other they have charisma and they know how to perform you know this isn't this Let's be real with each other. If they had tried to reproduce, the, to do this exact same thing in NXT with Braun Breaker and Von Wagner, you know how there, there would have been, um, you know, uh, lengths of time, you know, awkward pauses, talking in ways that people don't really speak. Looking at each other like, you know, all position, very little editing. This was put together and edited like a TV show. Like this had rhythm, it connected. There were numerous camera shots. This was fun. It was fun because all the elements were there to make it good. So that's what happened. Then there was, well, let's get all of, let's get all of the Adam Cole MJF stuff out of the way right here. All right, we're going to break the sequence a little bit, but, you know, I'm going to bring my, let's get it all out of the way and then, like, wrap all my thoughts up in one spot instead of 
you know, waiting to, oh, we'll talk about this later. Let's just get it all out of the way. Renee Paquette, a little later on, is uh, she's backstage getting an update on the medical condition of Roddy Strong, who got uh, punked out, stretchered out by Samoa Joe on a collision on Saturday. Um, he's in a neck brace. Doc Samson says, well, he's going to need some time to, to recover. Rod says, nah, what are you talking about? I'm good to go. I feel fine, Doc. I feel fine, Doc. Adam Cole arrives in gear, checking up on his friend. Strong doesn't seem to, to trust MJF, oddly enough, and seems worried about uh, his uh, budding friendship with Adam Cole as Cole gets a text from MJF. But, you know, he says, no, no, don't worry, Rod, everything's fine. I know what's going on here. Don't you worry about it. Everything's cool. So then let's go to the match. The Blind Eliminator Tag Team Tournament Quarterfinals. Adam Cole and MJF defeat Matt Menard and The Butcher. Now that, friends, is a lethal lottery combination. That is a blind tournament. <laughs> that is a blind eliminator tag team if I ever heard one. Matt Menard and The Butcher. And I'm glad, look, because a lot of these tag teams are not... You, you, okay, we know this is all kayfabe. It's all rigged. It's not truly random. Not when you're getting Keith Lee and Swerve who have this deep, deep history together. Or uh, Orange and, uh, and, and Darby Allen who've been tagging together for the past couple of months, right? That's on and off. And then Adam Cole and MJF, who just happen to be rivals, you know, it's like, you know, you, you see those and you sort of cringy groan, you go, oh, all right, yes, okay, we see what you're doing, all right, fine. But then you get dropped a true random, a true RNG, <laughs> a legitimate RNG team, Matt Menard, The Butcher. MJF is uh, super, 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 super into the Adam Cole entrance. And, he, you know, they combine it. He even does the Roderick Strong pose when, when Adam Cole does the bebe. Uh, there's a lot of shtick in this match and in this entire show. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of shtick in this match, including the abdominal stretch spot with Matt Menard as MJF tries to get Cole to cheat. But MJF in this match is your baby face in peril. He's he is full on baby face mode here. Cole finally gets the hot tag, fights off both the Butcher and Menard. Cole lands the boom and gets the pin, despite MJF really wanting to get in. MJF was like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. And MJF wasn't mad about it. You know, they could have done immediately the you know the the instant. Oh, you didn't tag me in, you know, and then immediately lead us down that part. But no, man, Jeff completely shrugged it off. They hugged. When I say they, MJF hugged Cole, lifted him, out, lifted it off, lifted him off the ground. In fact, and MJF cuts a baby face promo. He calls his supporters the devil worshippers. Do we have any devil worshippers tonight? Yay! I'm like, okay, all right, calm down, brother. He asks for another bro session this weekend with Cole. Cole agrees. But then he's like, when I'm not done, happy birthday. You know, he said, I'll even put the title down. Happy birthday. 
and then streamers pop out of nowhere and then MJF ushers in production assistants with a cake and party hats and then MJF sings happy birthday to Adam Cole and uh, which is actually pretty funny Cole interrupts and he tell and he's not mad or anything but he in fact he tells uh MJF hey you've done more than enough thank you Thank, you've done more than enough. But MJF says, hang on, one more thing. Make a wish. So they light up a candle. And MJF looks at the camera. He's like, I'm going to dunk his head in. And he sneaks up behind Adam Cole. But Adam Cole sees it coming, reverses, and dunks MJF's face in the cake again. And again, another trope where you'd be like, oh, here we go. MJF is going to get mad. But no, they sit down and have a chuckle about it. They're bonding. Or so it seems. Cole says thank you and calls him a friend. That ends the segment. Uh, that's something. So, okay. Like I said, this should not work for me. I should be sitting here with gritted teeth and annoyed because this is the kind of sports entertaining stuff that really gets on my nerves. But this worked. This, it just worked. And it was entertaining and I thought it was good. And it keeps adding to this story that they that they have, that they're truly our best friends. That they really do get along, or at least that MJF is winning Adam Cole over. And I think that there's a... I see right now a couple of paths that this can take. I, you know, this partnership is not made to last. I think, I, I think we all agree with each other on this, uh, 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 on this specifically. This is not going to last. At some point... MJF is going to is, is going to turn on Adam Cole, right? That would seem to be the, the the probable outcome where MJF being like, no, you know what? All along, I was pretending to be your friend because you think you were so smart that you thought that you could play me like a fiddle. But I am the true master manipulator. I'm truly the devil. I think that's the most obvious route. And obvious does not mean bad because right now this is, I find that as far as a can they get along setup, this is pretty entertaining. Um, but then you have the, you know, the wrinkle of Roderick Strong here who might be acting like, who, who might act like Adam Cole's conscience, basically saying, beware, beware, you know, might even end up in a match with MJF because, you know, Roderick Strong might just confront MJF at some point and say, you're lying to my boy, Adam. You're just, you know, I can see right through you. And so we have to settle this in the ring kind of thing. And that might be an impetus for the breakup. Or if you want to get really weird, um, Roderick Strong could end up becoming an ally to MJF because, well, you know, Rod was probably a little, felt a little jealous here, maybe a little abandoned. You know, it's like, hey, you're going to these bro sessions with this guy you hate. Meanwhile, I'm getting injured. I'm getting hurt. You don't have my back. You don't check, you know. You come in, you check on me before a match. Kind of thing. You don't listen to my advice. Kind of thing. I think that's also an avenue that could happen here. I think there's there's a couple of ways this story could unfurl, um, and it's very interesting when you when you think about it. And 
the thing that's making this work, the thing that is truly making this sports entertainment stuff work is the talent of these two guys together who are both, you know, comfortable in front of a camera, comfortable delivering lines, uh, pros, charismatic, charming, chemistry between them both. They play off each other wonderfully. Like, this is world-class stuff. This is not... Awkward promo 101 class in NXT. This is not people, you know, having promo offs on Monday Night Raw and everything feels stilted. This is good. This is well put together. This feels like I'm watching wrestling, that I'm watching wrestling with some of the best wrestlers on the planet. Anyway, I liked it, and I'm curious, so let's see what happens. Billy Gunn and the Acclaim defeated the Blade and the uh, the Bollywood Boys making an appearance. Good for them. Uh, this was okay. It was a crowd pleaser. You know, this is what this was for. Get the Acclaimed out there, have them play the hits, win the match. It was fine for what it was. Perfect, even. But <laughs> Harley Cameron appears on the Tony Tron uh, with the QTV shtick and she says that she's going to have a music video for us next week and I could not be less excited for anything else than a music video from Harley Cameron and this QTV nonsense. I could not give a shit because this is bad and corny and stupid. And it's not good. And it's not fun. It's forced. And this is pure sports entertainment. John Moxley's backstage. Well, he's done a pre-tape, I should say. Cutting a promo on Eddie Kingston. Asking, he's at, he asks, why, why is Eddie always mad? And why does he always stay focused on the past? Because he'd love Eddie to embrace the future. And become the wrestler that uh, he wants him to be. And ends the promo saying, pick up the phone, Eddie. And later on in the evening, they said, when they were announcing, uh, when they were uh, promoting Blood and Guts in uh, just a couple of weeks, um, they made it very clear that Eddie Kingston would not be in the Blood and Guts match because he is in the G1. So there's going to be a surprise member on the elite side. And because Brian Danielson has a broken arm, he is not going to be on the BCC side. So intrigue. Now's the time to now's the time to start talking about hey what about Kota Ibushi now that Forbidden Door is done in New Japan is not involved there now we can start you know Renee Paquette and RJ City are standing with Matt Hardy backstage waiting for a blind tag team partner draw from the Lethal Lottery because he has a match this Friday on Rampage and it's with Jeff my brother no Jeff Jarrett oh okay. Uh, Wheeler Yuta cuts a pre-tape for his match later on the, the in the evening. And then Chris Jericho hits the ring. He says he's had a lot of losses over the last few months. And things need to change. He needs to reevaluate re where he's at. He says, what better place to do it than in the province where he got his big start. Just uh, drive down the road here in Calgary. Working with Stu Hart, who gets booed. And Jericho himself is like, are you... 
Are you guys booing Stu Hart? You know, and I, and I myself, I'm like, that's a little strange. Why would you're booing Stu Hart? Really? Okay. He mentions the city of Balzac, Alberta. Now that, and you know, Taz made a little snide comment, and I, when he said it, I said, "Oh, all my American friends, I'm gonna." Yes, there is a city called Balzac, Alberta. It's a bit of a joke in uh, in the world of uh, of Canada. Most of us have heard about it, even though it is a tiny town. There's like what? There's like forty thousand people who live there. Like it's not. We're not talking. Of, it's not a metropolis. <laughs> what is it? It's like a uh, um, what's the word? Not a village. Bigger than a village, but smaller than a town. Like a, like a county or a, a hamlet. <laughs> the, the hamlet of Balsack. And it's B-A-L-Z-A-C or Z. B-A-L-Z-A-C. As in Honoré de Balzac. Renowned French author. But yes, he, of course he mentioned tiny wee little ball sack because you know pro wrestlers driving up and down the dri- driving up and down Alberta are like <laughs> driving past ball sack. <laughs> you know, that's why he mentioned it. But yeah, look back to anyway, back to, to, to what we're talking about here. This this came across as a babyface promo, right? What Chris Jericho was doing. Then Don Callis arrives. And Don Callis is just getting booed out of the building. Again, vociferously, loudly, spontaneously, constantly, with gusto, with sustained gusto. You can't come and talk to me about Dominic Mysterio when this is what I hear from Don Callis. And you can tell it in you can feel it in his voice where he has to talk louder. And Jericho even referenced it. Like, I can barely hear you over all these boos. But, you know, he comes in to remind him that he made the call to Chris Jericho six years ago to fight Kenny in the Dome for Wrestle Kingdom 12. Without Don, Jericho might not be here. Jericho says, well, he helped Callus back into the business. So, you know, without him, he probably wouldn't be here. Like, all right, fair, fair, fair. And then Callus. Uh, then talks about creating a new Don Callis family and extends an invitation for Chris Jericho to join his new group. Jericho tells him he doesn't join factions, he creates them, but then eventually tells him, maybe, then does like one of these puss faces and walks away kind of thing. Um, And then shortly thereafter, shortly, shortly, you know, we'll just skip a little segment here, we'll get back to it, but... uh, um, back from, yeah, when we get back from commercial after this, Rene Paquette is interviewing uh, Chris Jericho, Dan Garcia, and Sammy Guevara. And uh, Garcia, you know, basically asks Jericho, well, what the hell does this maybe mean? And Jericho says, you know, at some point, the two, because, you know, Garcia is like, we're a family. And Jericho says, at some point, you know, you guys are going to have to branch out for, for your, yourselves and do great things because I can't always be around watching over you. And that's when Rene Paquette announces that Garcia and Guevara have been teamed up in the Blind Eliminator. And Jericho says, well, there you go, boys. And he says, show 
Show me who can be the leader here. So is the Jericho Appreciation Society breaking apart? Kind of feels like it, doesn't it? It's been feeling like that for a short while. Is it a good idea to break them up? I guess. I mean, this is Jericho's thing, right? It did it with the inner circle. It ran its course. And now he's doing it with the Jericho Appreciation Society. And it's letting, you know, he's letting it run its course. And I think that's fine. You know, at, at some point, you just have to dissolve things. When, you know, you're out of ideas, you want to move on, you want to try something else, the, this idea of reinvention. And yes, you know, look, and I know a lot of people are going to, are, you know, are immediately going to react to, oh, it's fucking Chris Jericho. Of course, he's going to do this. He's going to leave everyone behind, just like he's always, you know, just like he did with with uh, with the fucking uh, 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 inner circle, just dumped all those people. And now, you know, he always survives and he always seems to go up on the card, blah, blah, blah. First of all, Jericho addressed it. Jericho addressed it, and I'm glad he addressed it this week because I spoke about it. I can't remember if it was last week on the Dynamite show or on the Collision show. I don't remember which one. But he said, you know, I've had a lot of losses over the last few months, and he's goddamn right. And what was I telling you guys and gals and non-binary pals? I was telling you Chris Jericho needs to get some heat back. If we want Chris Jericho to continue to be able to put people over and feel like a big deal in the company, he has to start winning some feuds. He has to start winning some big matches again because all he's been doing is putting people over. And you don't believe me? Go back. The stats are there. The proof is there to back up exactly what I'm saying. He has been incessantly losing to people right and left. So if he's here saying, well, you know what? I need to go on a rampage again. Let's go. Let's go. He spent the better part of two years building new people. Let's go right ahead and do it. I'm fine with this. That's the first thing. Second thing about the, you know, the inner circle and, and, and you know, breaking up and whatnot. I'm, I will say this. I feel that everyone in the Jericho Appreciation Society will be better off will all have been will, will they all gained from working with Jericho 2.0 specifically Matt Menard has become a a fan favorite a bit of a cult favorite he's been even thrown onto commentary people have grown attached to him because of his personality that he was allowed to shine through in the JAS Sammy Guevara was fine he continued to be fine here. Anna JAS uh, grew into her character while working with Jericho. And the big winner is Dan Garcia. A guy who people came, when he came in, was dismissed by, you know, all, all of the weirdos saying, oh, it's another guy. It's another guy in, in little black boots. Just another guy in little black boots. And now you cannot say that about Daniel Garcia anymore. Because this guy has created a persona for himself, an aura for himself. He's leaning into the performance side of pro wrestling on top of being a fantastic pro wrestler. He's absolutely blossomed with his time in the JAS. The more you think about it, you look back and you're like, remember when they were teasing for him to go join the BCC? I think this was the best thing for him to stick with this plan. And it worked out great for him. Jake Hager, who cares? That doesn't matter. 
And what else are you going to do with the Jericho Appreciation Society at some point, right? At some point, you're just like, yeah, let's move on. Otherwise, what? You hang on, you hang on to a group for three to four years. You have them say the same stories over and over again, wink, wink. Or you do something, you know, where you change leaders and you move people around for, you know, over a decade to the point where, you know, it doesn't feel special anymore. It's better retire. It's better to retire sooner than later before people really get fed up. Now, we're speculating because it does feel like this might be the end of the Jericho Appreciation Society. It might not. Jericho might just turn around and and make it even stronger than ever kind of thing. We don't know. But I don't have an issue here. And I don't have an issue with Jericho putting himself forward and saying, "No, look, it's I got to get some wins here." I gotta get some. I gotta get some uh, some heat back after putting all of these people over. And I agree. I am completely, one hundred percent behind this type of statement. Just before the uh, Rene Paquette, uh, Jericho Garcia Guevara thing, we had a video package for Samoa Joe versus CM Punk uh, at Collision, putting over the fact that CM Punk has never, ever, ever, ever defeated Samoa Joe, but he said, this Saturday, I'm going to do it. And this, this promo package, this, 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 this vignette, this pre-tape, whatever the hell you want to call it, sort of set a seed of doubt in my brain as to whether or not CM Punk might win. I'm not sure anymore. Because they're really leaning into the fact that he's never beaten Joe. And, you know, the conventional wisdom would have you say, oh, well, you know, of course. Because, you know, he's finally, he's finally going to win this time because they've been leaning into it so much because he's the big star now. But there's something very compelling about Samoa Joe being the hill that CM Punk has never been able to climb. And it would, it would shut up a lot of detractors. Anyway, we'll talk about this on the uh, Collision Review this Sunday. Owen Hart Foundation's uh, Women's Tournament Quarterfinal. Ruby Soho defeated Dr. Britt Baker. I'm going to be very short and curt about this. This was not good. It stunk. I have nothing to say about this match. Aside that, I'm very disappointed. And Britt really felt like she was phoning it in. Sky Blue at the end comes out to confront Ruby Soho. I got nothing here. This is bad. I don't know what's going on. And then the main event, Kenny Omega defeated Wheeler, Utah. This was tremendous. Fantastic match. Great opener. Fantastic finisher. Utah keeps showing up. Proving that he can hang with these top-level guys. Of course, that's all he's... He's only been working with top-level guys. This is the thing, too. He's... He hasn't been meandering around the lower mid-card working with the scrubs. He's been up here working with the likes of John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Daniel... Brian Danielson. Yeah, see, I almost did it, but I didn't. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks... So, of course, he's able to hang with these people. Kenny just being the top-tier pro wrestler that he always is. And he goes... Here's where I massively popped. 
He goes for the you can't escape, but he can't get it all the way because he his neck hurts. He's from taking the Tiger Driver 91. And I popped out of my seat. I was like, that's right, Kenny. You go. Be the best fucking pro wrestler you can be. I'll show all of these uh, all of these concerned trolls and the, the 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 safety police and all of these thought pieces that we got on how dangerous this move is. You come out and they're like, oh my neck, ouchies because of this terrible move I took. This the bravo. I was into this. The minute I saw this, I was like, fantastic. This is pro wrestling. Yuda takes advantage of this. Throws him into barricades and whatnot. He gets a big heat segment. Kenny, of course, fights back. Lands a fisherman's buster suplex. Wheeler Yuda avoids a V-trigger and slams Kenny Omega. Omega does a leg trap superplex. Because, you know, he just likes throwing his body around. We get some German suplexes by Wheeler Yuta, some Snapdragons by Kenny Omega. Yuta eats a V-trigger, rolls out of a one-winged angel attempt into the seatbelt, but Kenny Omega kicks out. I thought he had it. I thought he had it. I thought, I thought Wheeler uh, had nailed it. Get a V-trigger, but Don Callis comes out to distract, which allows Kineske Takeshita to sneak into the ring without the referee noticing. Hits a blue thunder bomb. Wheeler Yuta goes up top, lands a splash, referee comes to count, Kenny Omega kicks out. And again, I thought we were done. But a one-winged angel puts Wheeler Yuta away. This was great. I, I, I thought this was a fantastic main event, a great way to close the show. After the match, Takeshita and Claudio, Takeshita and Claudio attack Kenny Omega. But then the young, the hung bucks arrive for the save with some chairs. And as we're going off the air, there's all this chaos going on and we're running out of time. And Excalibur saying, you know, come back to a collision this week. Blah, 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 blah. He's doing his thing. And as we're going off, Hangman winds up to crack Claudio across the head with a chair. But the Dark Order pop up and they're like, and they take the chair away. And then we cut to black. And I, from, and I was, tape machines are rolling. That's what I wanted to hear. We'll keep you updated, folks. We'll show you what happened next week. And it's amazing to me. And look, this is, uh, it's a constant problem. And not just with AEW, with WWE as well. You know, doing the live shows, the timings, things, you know, uh, things, you know, the, the timings get pushed around. And this often happens, and it happens in WWE as well. It's nothing special to hear. It happens on any live show. And, and you have these guys here coming out and there's the chaos and there's, you know, people don't like this and I demand more of it. I love when a, sh when a wrestling show ends in chaos and things happen and you're like, I was doing the, the, um, the, the, the uh, what's his face meme? Pointing. Why can't I think of it as a DiCaprio? I was doing the DiCaprio meme where he's pointing, you know, with the glass. He's pointing at the TV set. It's the Dark Order. Oh shit, it's done. And I love that. Because then I'm like, 
this is great. Chaos. Crazy shit happening. Energy. Shit happening. And this is another thing that I guess helped me appreciate this show tonight. Shit was happening. Stuff was happening on this card. So again, so we get a match. Look, we get two fantastic matches. We get a very middling undercard. We get some things that, you know, are have nothing to do with in-ring action, but that I enjoy tremendously. Couple of stinkers along the way, but that's why I'm sitting here telling you I think this was a good show. I think I, I enjoyed the show. I think this was pretty good. And it's a show that I should have hated. <laughs> by definition, by the way it was structured and the things that were happening, I should not have liked this. But I did. And it's a testament to the talent of the people who are there doing the things that I hate and doing them well enough for me to be like, you know what, this is pretty good. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying this. And it makes sense. So we'll see what happens next week. Maybe the tape machines were rolling. <laughs> we might see some highlights next week. But, you know, maybe to close this off as a final thought, you know, I think to a degree, especially with the way the show finished, this exactly shows the difference between Dynamite and Collision, where Dynamite is frantic. Dynamite is chaos. Dynamite has this chaos about it. Which is which makes it special, and that bugs the shit out of some people. But the, I look at it like, look, there's so there's always shit happening, and it's all over the place in a good way, and I love it. And collision, poised, lots of room to breathe, long matches, and I love it. Two from the same company creating two entirely different uh, 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 feeling shows, two different proposals, two completely different offers of pro wrestling. Not completely, but, you know, in the, in, completely, is a, I might be going off the wall here a little bit, but significantly, they feel significantly different from each other to feel like their own distinct thing. It's not as if you're watching Collision 2 on Wednesdays. It doesn't look like, it, 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 like you're watching Dynamite 2 on Saturdays. They feel like two different things. So that's, what, uh, that's where we're going to wrap it up on. We're going to see each other again on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, I should say, for the AEW Collision review. Hopefully, it will not be as hot so that I'm not sweating through my t-shirt like I am right now, which is... Pretty fucking gross, I'm not going to lie, but uh, thank you for, for, you know, if you're watching this right now, um, I appreciate you and hopefully, you know, it doesn't, it wasn't that too off-putting. If you're listening to this on audio, it's fantastic, leave a like, leave a, a five-star review and a five-star rating and uh, and we'll just pretend that this sweat never happened. So have a great rest of your week, everyone, and I will see you next time.